and welcome to the latest editions of Loaded Balls. And it's the coaching room. I think we're on to episode six. I'm losing count now uh, with all the great mm. shows that, that we've been doing. And I'm delighted to be joined by Mayor Bridge own Joe Coulter. Joe, thanks a million for, for coming on. Um, yeah, it's uh, a man who's um, made a name for himself in London. And it's great to see that, you know, you're bringing uh, the Mayor Bridge football ideology to to the big city yeah john it's uh it's great to be on on the show uh i listen to the podcast a lot and you know been been in london there sometimes you you be isolated and you don't really know what's happening back back home in terms of the club football so you know i, I tune into the podcast a lot and i love the the preview the previews and the reviews of the championship and all the discussion on all the crack that you have uh so you know it's great great to be on the podcast john. Well, thanks very much joe and uh the last time we had a Mayor Bridge man on, uh, Tommy O'Hara won't come on anymore because Mayor Bridge were top of the league whenever he came on and then they were they were fighting relegation. So he says uh, no more. So <laughs> that's the end of that. Tommy Sunboy, now you need to get him on, definitely. <laughs> Joe, um, you know, you're, you're, you've seen with the, the Cairn Daily Sports and the Sports Science setup that just have. Um, how did that come about? Um, you know, how did you make the journey across to London? You know, it's 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 fascinating stuff. You know what you're doing at the minute. Uh, John. Well, I suppose it's been um, it's been a long journey. You know, I've, I've been in London here for 13, 14 years, and uh, I came over to London in around 2000, 2007, I think it was. And I didn't really have that much coaching experience before I came over to London. Right. Actually, my, my first coaching experience was um, was with the Bridge Under 16s. And uh, that, that was the, the team with the likes of Kevin McClory, I think, Shane McNamee. We, we ran Brady. Uh, so, you know, they, they had a good crop of players there. And obviously, them boys are now, I suppose, the core, core players of the, of the Bridge mm-hmm. Senior team now at the minute. Um, so that was kind of my first uh, coaching experience. I think we, we came across a good, you know, Kilku under-16 team as well. And they, they happened to beat us in, in the first or second round. Uh, but I suppose... Um, you know, that, that was the first uh, part that I had in terms of coaching. Then moved over to London 2007. Um, uh, came over here to be a teacher. So I actually went to St. Mary's University to do my PGCE in teaching. Uh, that was a one-year course. And uh, play, played a bit of football. I was still in my sort of mid-20s. It was 26, 27. I was still playing football up to around, I suppose, 30 uh, and then got injuries, and you know, you know the story yourself. You get the knee injuries, you get the back injuries, you dislocate shoulders, you know, your, your whole body's falling apart, John. So, so I said to myself, you know, enough of this. Uh, I'm gonna take up the coaching because I was always kind of interested in in, in the coaching side of things, and I was lucky enough uh, to kind of play or or to be parts of squads, good good mm-hmm. Mayo Bridge squads. Obviously, that Mayo Bridge. Uh, team there of the Naughties and you know playing under the likes of Jim McCory and Mickey Litton was was the manager uh, uh, once Mickey Donnelly was there too so I was able to you know sort of observe them and, and kind of bring in you know, their philosophies as well uh, so yeah managed, managed university teams men's and women's university teams did a bit of coaching with them um, after that um, I, uh, I managed St Brenton's team we're an intermediate team uh, here I've been managing them for about six, uh, seven years. We're still intermediate, so I haven't haven't got them into the senior championship. <laughs> Not like yourself, there, John. But, uh, I think Ronan, yourself, and Ronan McCartan are heading into the senior championship. So, a bit like yourself, you know, trying to get an intermediate team into the senior um, 
senior side of things is it's a challenge, you know. So um, so managing them, um, coached the London Juniors uh, for a few years, which which was you know my sort of first county experience uh, type of coaching. And uh, one of the big games we actually played, we actually played uh, a game against Kilkenny in Nolan Park, um, mm-hmm. and I think Dublin and Leash were playing after it. So there, there was a big crowd at it, you know, and there's about 20, 25,000. So I was also able to experience that, the big crowd and being a coach and on the sideline and all. And that, that was very, very interesting. And then I suppose uh, about four or five years ago, uh, Kieran Daly, uh, who had known from various coaching courses, Kieran, um, I got to know Kieran well, and he was delivering, you know, the foundation coaching levels and the level one and level two. He was delivering up, up in Ryslip. And I kind of got on well with him. You know, we had lots of discussions about football and he wasn't the London manager at that time, um, but he, he was still actually playing for KKG. So a few years later, um, he did become London manager and I got a phone call from him and he just, he asked me, you know, to come on board with, with the London senior team. Initially, you know, as a coach, uh, that, that was kind of my role in the first year. Uh, I came in as coach and then it's, the role sort of developed as I went on, I became operations manager, still doing coaching, planning things, organizing things. Now, if you think about the away games that Lawton have, yeah. there's a lot of stuff there to do. <laughs> and yeah. it, it, it's crazy the amount of organization. We'll probably talk about it later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose just that kind of, I was with them for four years. Um, and uh, obviously, Kieran there got sacked. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was on your show too, John. He yes, be, he was. Uh, me saying that. Um, a few years ago, he 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 um he got sacked there from the Lutton job, um, and then I suppose Kieran himself actually at that time he had DSS up and running, mm-hmm. but it was at it's it was in its infancy and you know it was at its initial stages. So um so he asked myself to to come on board uh, with Ross Bennett who was working with him at QPR. And I think that was last year, Kieran asked me to come on board during the pandemic, actually, John. And, um, you know, it's it, it's grown massively over the last year. I can't believe the, the growth that it's had. As I was saying to you there earlier, there's around, I think we've had 600 members we're hitting at the minute. Um, when I came, came in last year there, we had around 150 or so. And we were expecting to maybe go to 200. Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden over Christmas there in the new year, it was just like, you know, an avalanche of, of members come in. And it's great because it's all to do with Sharon. Yeah, and Joe, just while just well, you brought it up about the, the, the DSS um, platform and that, do you think that the J are behind in the resources or is it that the experienced manager maybe doesn't have the, the tools they're, that they're looking for and, and it's more... The resources are more for underage coaches, not there. Or, or who, who, what, what sort of clientele are you getting? Uh, generally speaking, we we get managers at en- at any levels. We get mm-hmm. coaches at every level. We get underage coaches. We have camogie coaches who who are members. We have lots of hurling uh, coaches that are members. We've got S and C uh, coaches who are looking to maybe top, maybe looking to top up on the coaching side mm-hmm. of, of things as well. You know, we've got we've got managers uh, that are on board. We've just got lo- like lots of, of different uh, types of people that are that are joining, even people that are not involved in GAA as well, or, or kind of joining. But but our core base is mostly uh, uh, GAA. And just coming back to your question about 
re resources are we behind? I would say in terms of soccer, if you compare it to soccer and the sharing of resources in soccer, probably a little bit behind. Mm -hmm. But, John, I, th I think we're catching up. I yeah. think coaches are now becoming more open. I think they're, they're sharing a lot of information. Now, Stevie, Stevie Poocher works for us, and 15 years ago, I would have, Stevie would have been sharing drills with me, but he would have been emailing them to you. But now, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. know if he stole them off somebody's <laughs> office. But now, of course, you've got, you've got the likes of Twitter, you have the internet, so now you can easily share, share those resources, mm -hmm. I suppose, mm -hmm. which, which is great. Do you think that people are scared in, in J circles to share something in case they give out their secrets or is it maybe they're afraid of ridicule if they put out something or, you know, is it something else? I think it's, I think it might be the second one, actually, mm -hmm. John. I, I think people might be afraid of being criticised with, with the materials or the resources, you know, that they're putting, that they're putting out there. But I think as more people put information out there it's all about people saying okay that, that that looks good and that's a great great resource but maybe you could do a b and c to it mm -hmm. to improve it yeah. or maybe you could do this to it um and you know i, I know myself sometimes i'd be at the, at the early stages when i was putting stuff on on twitter john i would have been you know a little bit maybe uh, hesitant to put stuff up in case people were sort of critical of it but after a while you don't really care yeah, you know, after a yeah. while, you're like, well, do criticize it because I want to improve it. <laughs> I know you had, you know, you had um, Luke Barrett and yes. a couple of on the show there mm -hmm. uh, recently, and Luke put some great stuff up. You know, he puts the modeling stuff up for the mm -hmm. tactical periodization stuff and all, you know, and he's putting a lot of stuff up as well. So, and, and Colin Nolly, of course, you know, a lot of his stuff is excellent, yeah. you know, so, so it's great. It's great to see more people putting stuff out there. You've become the expert in uh, tactical tactical pad. Um, the the drills are they're great to see. You know, because for years, like you would be somebody would be explaining a drill and they'd be doing like uh, lines here and lines there, and by the end of it, like it looks like something, <laughs> you know, that that is a, doesn't look anything resemblance a, a drill or a game or anything like that. There, but tactical pad seems to take all that there away, and and you can see it animated then. Yeah, I totally agree uh, with that, John. And, and you know yourself from, from your playing days, when sometimes when the coach tries to explain a drill and he's verbally explaining it, and you're you're thinking, Jesus Christ, what does he mean there? Where should I stand? Where will I go? Or, what, you know, what will I do? You know, I don't really understand the drill, you know? And it can waste time, you know, that waste time. Uh, so, so with those videos, uh, John, you know, personally what I do is I would send out the videos of the drills or the games that I would play, uh, you know, before training, send it out in the WhatsApp group yeah. to the team, so mm -hmm. so that they have an understanding of what what the actual drill is or what the mm -hmm. game is. They know the rules of the game. You know yourself. There's nothing worse than than a player not knowing the rules, and then if you're refereeing the training game, then he's <laughs> mouthing at you, he's effing you, he's blinding you, and then you know the whole thing turns <laughs> negative, I suppose. So. So having the videos is is a good is a better way to suppose understand them. You can freeze them, you can play it back again, you know, you can do a lot of things with video. And is it is it easy to use, Joe? Is it like did it is it like do you know the way some people wouldn't be tech savvy as such? Like can you can you learn it over a short period of time? Well, Stevie Pooch has been using it lately, so <laughs> I don't know if Stevie's the most technically um gifted, but um 
it, it's it takes a while to get used to. I will I will admit that at the beginning, you know. But um, it's funny you say that because I did do uh, I done a one hour webinar uh, for Daily Sports Science on how to use the webinar, mm -hmm. and one of our other coaches, Barry Milan, he he also done um, a, a webinar before me, but. We looked at a guy called David Bird, who's a Scottish uh, soccer coach, and he's he's like the kingpin when it comes to tactical pad, and he's got right. lots of webinars online. So we looked at how he used it for soccer, mm -hmm. we tried to adapt it for for both hurling and, and Gaelic football. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, I would recommend it. I'd definitely recommend it to any coach. I'd recommend it to managers uh, as well at at any levels because it also it actually gives you more of an understanding of the game. And yeah. the different movements that you might expect in a, in a game, you know, and you can kind of show that and you can share that with the players. So it is, it is easy. It is easy to use after a while. Suppose like yeah. your smartphone, you know, when you get a new smartphone, <laughs> you get a new smartphone, maybe not the iPhone, but when you get the iPhone for the first time, you were like, Jesus Christ, how do you use this show? Uh, so after a while, it becomes second nature, I suppose. And um, Joe, you were saying there about like, you're growing up in, in Maybridge and, you know, you have, I think it's five brothers, isn't it? And, and three, yeah. three girls in the family. And, you know, were you always, is it that competitive nature then that you bring through the coaching, you think? You know, that Maybridge team, it sort of came through the, the divisions and then it hit that, that peak team that was winning all, all in front of them. Yeah, I, I think so, John. I think having, you know, five boys in the house and five, five boys in the backyard and in a, in a small mm -hmm. area playing playing football, there's going to be rows, there's going to be arguments, there's going to be boys hit, there's going to be fisticuffs, there's going to be, it's going to be very, very competitive, you know. And in Mayo Bridge, you know, there was a lot of, we used to play up the park, we used to play soccer up the park, rather than play Gaelic, we'd play mm -hmm. soccer. And, and th those games were, were massively, massively competitive, you know, and, um, I suppose as, as as well as that, you know, growing up in the bridge, uh, too, we we had good underage teams. You know, I suppose like your like with your Strever as well. You know, brilliant underage teams, um, and very 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 competitive. And uh, I suppose we we were lucky enough to have good players, and uh, you know, we won a lot of underage stuff. So, I think yeah, I've, I brought that over. You know, to be kind of coaching end of things or coaching philosophy, whatever you want to call it. And who, who put it all together at underage for the for the bridge then, Joe? Like, was there one person or was there a group of, of men that, that you know, knitted the whole thing together? Uh, I suppose there was a lot of people uh, involved in it, John. Um, I suppose with that minor, with that brilliant minor team that I suppose you had Mickey Walsh and Benny and Rooney Saxton on, mm. you, at underage level, you had the likes of, uh, people might know these people, but Sean O'Hare and Pat Garvey, and what, what they were big into, when they trained those lads at under 10, under 12 level, uh, they were massive into the, the technical side, the skills, right. learning, learning the skills, even in closed environments. Now, the, the, they wouldn't have uh, played a lot of, um, you know, maybe a lot of games in training, but they'd done the, loads of kick passing, loads of hand passing, loads of blocking. Now, if you speak to any of those boys, Mickey Walsh, you speak to Benny, they will say they they done blocking until the sun went down. And, you know, they, they probably didn't like it, but you know it it, it built up kind of you know their 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 resilience, I suppose. That that, that's what I was going to say. Was that more psychological? Do you think, Joe? That you know you know the way some children like the fear of fear of blocking and all that there, but 
you know, if it's executed right, getting in close, you know, you, you don't get hurt. And I think so, yeah. And, and you know, and, and I think, you know, a lot of those boys were very um, gifted, ta- you know, technically gifted and they were, you know, very skillful uh, footballers. So, so maybe, maybe the managers or the coaches thought, well, you know, if they're, if they're skillful, let's, let's look at other sides of the game. Let's make sure that they're tough. Let's make sure that they're competitive, you know. And, you know, if you look at the underage teams in, in Kilku, for example, and even the Kilku senior team, massively, massively competitive and always have been. You know, and it was very, very, anytime you went and played Kilku at underage level, especially for the M boys, you know, um, they, they knew they were in for a tough, tough game. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I think that that helps with the resilience, John. What was what was the culture of Merbridge team and squad then, Joe? With that, I suppose like the dominant force of, of the nineties, um, early yeah. early two thousand. Like, as, you know, it was a phenomenal team. You know, and everybody seemed to know their role, no matter who played. Where the the, 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 the positions seemed like you know interchangeable. One week, Ron Sachs would be doing full forward, then he's doing wing half back or wing half forward, or even, you know, he'd just pop up anywhere. So what what was the thinking behind that and how did it, how did that happen? Well, I think um, I think when you look at the bridge, and I think you mentioned it earlier, I think the bridge went from Division 4 to, mm. to Division 1 in, in the kind of earlier, real earlier yes. years. And I think Mickey Litton, obviously, everyone knows Mickey, um, Mickey would have been, you know, the lead man at the club. Everyone would have looked up to Mickey. Mickey was my hero. Was probably your hero. You know, a lot of a lot of down boys our age. He, he was the hero. Um, and I suppose if you looked at the down team as well, I suppose the down team of the ninety one and ninety four. Suppose the bridge kind of based their culture or their playing culture on that down team. You know, mm-hmm. the kind of fast moving, swashbuckling football. Um, if if you grew up in the bridge, you wanted to be Mickey Litton. You wanted to be a forward. You didn't want to be a defender. You know, most most boys, generally speaking, that's probably the case, but it was even more so in, in Mayo Bridge. You know, you wanted to be a forward. You wanted to be like Mickey Linton. You wanted to get the ball. You wanted to take on your man. Taking on your man was a big thing. In, well, tell, in tell that there, Joe, tell that there to Brandon Grant because he loved defending because he... he <laughs> there was, there was no, uh, no backwards of Brandon anyway. No, Brenton, Brenton was a brilliant, brilliant player, brilliant, uh, brilliant fullback. Uh, I don't think he, I don't think he attempted to play in the forward line. Maybe full forward towards <laughs> oh, the he's end. Too busy. Of he's too busy hanging off me, I think. <laughs> I, think so, I think so, He's doing a bit of coaching there at the minute, isn't he? Yes, he? yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, so as you said earlier, you know, there, there were boys for different positions, you know, they mm-hmm. had a really good team, you know, they, they had... Um, they had cornerbacks like Lexi Gavin Barry, excellent, excellent marker, but also could play football as well and could also come out with the ball and was very comfortable distributing the ball. You had really good halfbacks. You had an enforcer on the team, uh, Francie Poland, you know, brilliant footballer as well, excellent passer of the ball. You had a brilliant midfield, you had Owen Woods, who could suppose get your primary possession for you. And then, of course, you had the forward line, which, which was, you know, you could, Sit here all day and talk about that forward line, you know. It was it was yeah. funny, like how just and it was just interchangeable because you just didn't know where the boys were going to play. Like there was no point in scouting Merbridge because it was the change. Maybe like was the coaches at that time. I think it was Jim McCurry, like yeah. men, and did they have that ethos that that everybody was interchangeable? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you would have had, you would have had Benny playing half forward. Sometimes you would have had him in full forward. He might've come out to midfield. Um, you know, you Glenn McMahon was there too. He was an excellent mm-hmm. footballer. Uh, Glenn was an excellent half forward. He also could play full forward. And I suppose um, for all those lads, when they were growing up underage, that wouldn't have been new to them. It wouldn't have been new to them just to play in one position, you know, because the different managers that they had at underage level, I suppose, pl- would have played them, you know, anywhere. And I can remember mm-hmm. our Breton himself, Breton played in, he played in nets. He also played full back. Uh, I know that he played half back in the, in the minor final in 97. Uh, even though his man scored one seven, John, I, just, <laughs> I wanted to get that in there. You know, he was playing half back that day. Um, that was the last time he played it, was it? It was. Uh, um, so I suppose he was sort of, um, uh, you know, he was an example of, of one of those players that could I suppose play in any position. As you said, mm-hmm. Roni Saxon could play in any position. Noel Saxon could play half back. He could play half forward. Uh, and I suppose that was down to their technical ability and their technical skills too. And uh, the training sessions then, Joe, as well, whenever, like, were you looking at it and taking notes of what, or did you always have this thing that, geez, I want to be a coach. I see the respect and, and the admiration the boys are giving their manager. Like, was it something, a desire in you whenever you were seeing the, the, the results, you know, the winning results? Yeah, it was. It was, didn't really overly have it in my mind back then to sort of be a coach, right. you know. But but I did. I did always sort of closely observe the, the coach and their coaching sessions, and I suppose the, the way they ran their coaching sessions. Um, I think we had Jim McCory in at the at the beginning, and every single session that you had with Jim McCory was completely different. No no drill was the same. Uh, no game based stuff was the same. It was always different. And his sessions were always sort of interesting. And there were new types of sessions because the, the coaches before that, all they ever doing was maybe a warm-up, a straight line, hand pass and kick pass and drill and then a game. Mm-hmm. There, there was no attacking phases of play. There were, there were no defensive phases of play. There were no, uh, there were no real kick-out scenarios, game-based scenarios. There, there was none of that stuff until, until Jim McCory came in and he kind of mm-hmm. added that type of stuff into it. And then I suppose after him, um, I think it was either Mickey Donnelly or Mickey Litton. Well, Mickey came in, Mickey Litton came in, and it was just, it was all about attitude, you know, and, and how you present yourself and the way you play and making sh- sort of discipline, making sure you're turning up on time. I suppose like Mickey is himself, you know. Mm. Uh, so he, he expected those high standards. Uh, then, then Mickey Donnelly came in, and the thing I noticed about his training sessions were that they were really intense, John. Massively intense because you you went from one um, one activity five seconds into the next activity five seconds rest into the next activity a lot of one v ones a lot of two v twos you know your your heart rate was about one eighty two hundred <laughs> his training sessions but I suppose him coming from Tyrone I suppose that was sort of the culture that he yeah. brought to to Tyrone, to to Mayo Bridge uh, with him so so kind of lucky to sort of experience those different ty- types of coaching uh, styles. And with the, with the boys as well, did you have, like, obviously, if you're running like our house, you know, after a game and after you would have had um, us talking about the football and then you would have had, a, you know, other people calling up the, about talking about the football and after. Is it the same as you? Like, you know, and... Uh, Absolutely. How, 
<laughs> you know, it was like it would have lasted hours, like talking about the one game. Absolutely, John. And there were also, you know, when when the Bridge won their their championships, we we always went into uh, Hilltown, you know, the next morning, and then one of the pubs maybe, and had a few fights. But after the after the, um, I think it was the Bransford game, or a lot of post mortems, you know, that yeah. that game that they lost. Um, you know, they were hot favourites to win that, but. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of people would have been coming up and down our street in Riverside, calling in, having the crack, and you know, and the, the main just twenty four hours a day it was football, mm-hmm. any anything to do with the GA, and that, that's all that was kind of talked about in our house. And did that form any philosophies you have, Joe? Like you know, whenever, <clears throat> like you know, they're getting that constant information, that different points of views. You know, maybe oh, geez, maybe he's is right, or maybe. You know, geez, your man's talking absolute. You know, did it make you think a wee bit about, you know, the right way to play football, the right way to train, the right culture to have as well for for teams? Yeah, I suppose suppose it did, um, John. You know, when it when I came over here to London, um, I suppose my philosophies ch- kind of changed over time. To be honest, um, when I came over to London and started managing um, uh, teams, um, the one thing that kind of struck me or shocked me actually was the technical side of things and I thought the players over here were poor technically and I suppose in my head I was probably comparing them to bridge players and maybe down players and that was foolish of me so when it, when it was coaching teams uh, I would have done a lot of technical stuff I would have done a lot of uh, straight line straight line drills kick passing hand passing um, catching uh, that that type of stuff you know just to improve prove the technical uh, side of things but then as as time went on uh, probably become a bit more tactically aware. Yeah, mm. uh, and a lot, a lot of the training sessions now would be, you know, game-based uh, stuff, a lot of uh, defensive stuff. Um, and I, and I know coming from down, you probably not we're not overly, you know, defensive-minded if if you know what yes. I mean. It comes yeah. from that culture, um, and I think it's one of the things that helped me when I came over here because a lot of. Uh, a lot of the people I met over here were boys from Tyrone, boys from Donegal, you know, you boys from all over Ireland. And, yeah. and they bring different points of view when it comes to how football should be played. You know, you're, you're a down man, you're coming over to Lutton and you're saying, well, you know, you kick the ball, you know, the fullback gets the ball, he kicks it to the midfielder and he puts the ball into Mickey Litton and he scores a good work point. <laughs> you know, and that, that was kind of my view of football, you know. Yeah. And then after a while, you, you know, your, your team starts to get hammered because you've no defense. <laughs> You've no defensive structure. You've no defensive setup, and uh, I suppose you you have to then think about tactically what do I need to do here to to fix this. And uh, like whenever you're getting all them different, who was your mentor as such? Whenever you went over to London, then um, Joe, that that you thought you know made you think about the game that that different, or was it a book you read, or or was it just the evolution of 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 Gaelic at home? I suppose it was a bit. Of, it was a bit of to do with the 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 Gaelic at home, you know, and um, you know, obviously I watched a lot of the, the the county football and the club football too, and you know, Park TV is a great thing, by the way. Yeah. Uh, just to tune into the uh, to to the club football. But I suppose it was um, the, the the biggest influence is probably Kieran Kieran Daly mm-hmm. uh, when, when I met him at those coaching courses because I was always kind of thinking, am I doing things right here? Because I didn't really have someone. To look up to over here, uh, and and met Kier, you know, seven seven eight years ago, and the, the way he was 
viewing the game and the way we discussed the game was, was we kind of had similar views on the game and how the game should be played and and how you should treat players and how and how players need to take individual responsibility and none of the passing the buck or anything uh, like that. Uh, I suppose he and then obviously he he um, he asked me on to the to the Lutton senior setup. But before that, um, Kieran came over to um, to watch the Lutton juniors play in Ireland. So he was he was he was on a scouting mission uh, when he was manager going to be manager with Lutton because he wanted players in. And he, he was, you know, he 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 um he went out of his way to to go over to, to Ireland to watch the London Juniors play. And he got actually he actually got three or four players. But the thing the thing with him was when he was looking at a London Junior player, he wasn't seeing them, he, he was seeing he could be a he could be a senior player, he could be an inter-county senior player. He wasn't looking at them what they were now, he was looking at them what they could be in a year, two years' time, three years' time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he knew that if he if he brought them into the London setup. If he brought them into the Lutton environment and that culture and that sort of professional setup, that that he could turn them into, you know, a, a good inter-county player at Division Four level, and he, you know, he said, you know, you, you could take a, a Division Two club player in down, and if you put them into a county setup with the right environment, they can be a good county player, and and uh, it happened because we we did have uh, Division Two players, junior players. That came in and, and blossomed at, at inter blossomed at intercounty level because they had that support and they had that kind of environment around them that, that, that Kieran built. So I would say Kieran would have had the biggest influence on me over here. Well, what what did he do? Did he challenge you, Joe, on your thinking? Then, um, you know, as you said, the one thing for GA coaches is, am I doing this right? You know, and yeah. I think that's that's everyone like as you said, or like you know, every coach is like that, and like. <clears throat> Jay coaches like when I was talking to Fergus Connolly and all that there, and I was saying he just said, ask people what they're going to say. Like, what's the worst thing they could say? No, you know, just ask or they don't re- don't reply to your emails or anything out there. You know, just ask and ask, you know, and, and see if if you can throw out ideas together. And you know, was that was that the sort of thing that was that was happening? Um, he yeah he 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 would have given you a lot of responsibility. And um, he would have he would have said to you, you know, right, you're taking this part of the session, and you know, because we were doing tactical periodization stuff, he had already we already knew what we were doing, so it could have been small sided games. But you can decide what type of small sided game you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he would have given you the responsibility, he would have given you the freedom uh, to to make mistakes, I suppose. Um, and you know he he wouldn't be critical of you. He he would give you advice, um, and you know he he'd help you along the way, and he would support you. And one of the roles that he he gave me at London as well was operations, uh, head of operations or operations manager with Lutton. And as you can imagine, with with Lutton, um, we we would have played about seven games away from home every year. What a three challenge matches in Ireland. And then four league games, so we would have seven, seven or eight times. He would have went over to, to Ireland, um, uh, to play games. And I, one of my responsibilities would have been to, to make sure all of the timings were right and to send out a schedule to the team. So I, I was doing loads of things. I was, uh, I was doing hundreds of things, and it was massively time-consuming. But if we didn't get it right, John, then the performance 
the the players won't buy in. Mm-hmm. The performance won't you know performance won't be good on the day. We won't be competitive. And you can imagine London already with with the sort of where where we are. We're already yeah. at a disadvantage. So we we needed to get those small things right. So you know doing things like um, organizing. Uh, things like uh, flights, the time you arrive at the hotel, the 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 flight time, what time you arrive uh, at Dublin Airport, the time the bus comes at Dublin Airport, everything had to be done. It was with military precision, you know. And if it went wrong, if it went wrong, he wouldn't. Kieran wouldn't point fingers at you, but it, it would be your responsibility. <laughs> you must have been the most stressed man. Uh, you couldn't stop. wait till the weekend was over. Uh, stop. And uh, I suppose. Um, Getting getting the um, getting to the pitch on time was a was a big uh, challenge as well. And you know yourself, uh, you're you're traveling from Dublin Airport, and you might be going to Wexford, or you might be going to Limerick or somewhere, um, or even up to to play Antrim because we played Antrim a few times. And you'd have to Google. Let's put it this way: Google Maps was a good friend <laughs> of mine during that time. Um, and sometimes you're sometimes you were playing. Um, in, in the city, Limerick, so you, ha- so you would have to take the traffic into consideration. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you were playing up in Derry, in rural parts of Derry, so you, you wouldn't have had a clue about the roads and, you know, you don't know. So if, you're, if you arrive to the match 15 minutes late, you know, 15 minutes late than you had scheduled, okay. players are rushing around, the physio is getting the table, boys are, you know, panicking. And then, this, you know, if you arrive 15, 20 minutes too early, Players are standing around. They don't know what to do. People, you know, so you, you just had to try and get get the timings right, and and have everything, I suppose, organised to a T. And I suppose the most stressful part was the uh, the flight home, <laughs> because you didn't want to miss the flight home, because <laughs> that that would have spelled serious trouble. Um, you would have had thirty boys who who wouldn't have turned up for work on the Monday morning. But um, yeah, so so um. So yeah, it was, it was there was a lot of responsibility, and that was quite time-consuming, I suppose. But that all starts with the cult, culture, Joe, as well. You know, from the first minutes, you know that everything's, as you said, military precision, and players love that. Players love to be told they're doing this, 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 and this. You just perform. That's all you have to concentrate on. Was that something that that was ingrained in in London that you just wanted to bring together? Yes. Yeah. Th- this this was. Um, something that Kieran was was big on and it was something that you know Ross was big on and it, it was ob- it was obviously something that they had uh, taken from professional mm-hmm. um, soccer with, with their background at QPR and, and Chelsea and so on um, and as you said you know the players all they want to do is get on the field and play football they, they don't want to be walking around worrying about what time you're arriving here is the bus when's the bus leaving that, that's just cognitive overload or whatever you want to call it you know yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they just want to get in the field and that's what we wanted we just wanted them just to think about get in the field perform on the day you know use your training and and you know play play to the best of your ability mm-hmm. uh, and i suppose with london as well over those um uh, three or f- four years um john we we were um we were competitive yeah. and that was one of the uh, objectives that we had, you know, we, we'd seven league games, as I said earlier on in, in the season, uh, we, our target was always kind of to win three league games and to win a, the championship, a championship game. Unfortunately, we didn't win, 
a championship game. We came close a few times now. Galway there, uh, yeah. I think we were four points in it, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And in the league, um, in the league, we we generally won two or three games. Uh, so so we reached that target uh, every every year. And yeah, it was it was all part of the the uh, culture, I suppose. And Those I, high expectations. Is it a special bond then you have for the players in London, Joe? Like it was it, you know that you were performing. <clears throat> like don't get me wrong, like, I'm talking from uh, in the past where London was. Uh, maybe you went over as as a team. You won easy, you know, and then you maybe had the the team had a bonding session, and then and then home. Whereas you're getting games and they're pushing, you know, player uh, teams to their collar, like definitely. And um, you know, you you know yourself, you have you've thirty lads coming over to London from different counties, mm-hmm. from uh, different uh, clubs, you know, from different backgrounds. And the the big challenge is how how do you get a sense of belonging here? Um, and I suppose Kieran also put me over that side of things, the culture side of things, and mm-hmm. getting the players to to want to play for London and to have pride, I suppose, in, in playing for London. Uh, and you know, one of the things we we done an example was uh, we printed out all the crests of all the club teams that the players played for back home. Mm-hmm. So you know, you would have had um, you know club the club crests on the changing rooms, and we printed out all of those and we put them up in the changing rooms. But on the other side of the changing rooms, we had one crest, uh, and it was the London crest. And we, we were trying to get the message, yes, you know, you all come from different clubs and back home, different counties, mm-hmm. but, but we're all one here. We're all in London. And um, Kieran also asked me to, <laughs> to put up some London landmarks in the changing rooms in, uh, in Ryslip. So I um, had Big Ben, the, the London, we had the London Eye, we had the Houses of Parliament, and we, we also had a big, uh, actually it was Big Ben, the, the Union Jack was coming out of the top of Big Ben. <laughs> and uh, I was saying to Kieran, Kieran, should I, should I put this up here? You know, we, we have a few boys from you know, South Down and a couple of boys from Derry there, you know, they might, might take offense. So, uh, so we put it up anyway and, and, and the, boys, um, the boys took it in good jest, you know, and there's a bit of mm-hmm. crack and English lads slagging the Irish lads. You know, you have that bit of banter, mm-hmm. you know, amongst the lads too from the from the different backgrounds. So, so we, we did achieve that kind of sense of belonging. No, I see. I seen some of the videos of the trainings too, Joe. That that just would have put up like a couple of years ago, and that and you know the, the way the field was segmented off with with the small games and that there, and then it was interchangeable on that. You know, you talk about technical periodization there. Was that a big thing that you used with? Uh, Kieran's um, sports science, and then you're obviously detailed to, to you know timings and operations, and that there, you know, did that come across in the trainings as well? It did massively, yeah, and 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 everything everything was planned uh, well in advance, mm-hmm. um, and you know we, we probably done a lot of small sided games. Uh, I suppose towards the the beginning of the season, would have done a lot of small sided games. And obviously, as, as, as we came towards the, the big games in the league and the championship, it would have went more long, long-sided. Uh, but, but, you know, you, you, you could see that in, in the type of sessions that we had. And, and we used to have a session plan. Uh, and, you know, Kieran used to have a template for a session plan. Mm-hmm. And every, every single detail was in that session plan. The, the RPE of the session, the, the distance that, a, that the average player should cover, 
Um, the the warm up, what exactly was included in the warm up? Who was taking the warm up? How many minutes was the warm up for? Then the next coach, what the next coach was doing? It could have been a, an attacking phase of play. How many players were involved? Uh, then there would have been maybe a, a secondary focus on on tackling or something like that. And then a game at the end, and then a, a, some kind of warm down. And then the boys talk about the locomotive drills and this kind of sports science stuff, which mm-hmm. sometimes went over my head, to be honest, John. You know, you <laughs> could have been sitting around the table, um, especially at the early stage, just sitting around the table with, you know, experts in strength and conditioning and some of the things that I didn't understand, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but you kind of came accustomed to it. And, you know, you learnt and that, that's yeah. what the culture, that's what the culture was. Um, you were there to learn, you were there to take in information and, and ultimately you, it was there designed to make you a better coach. And you were seven years now with, with St. Brandon's, Joe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's unheard of in, in Jay Circus that a manager like over here would be with a, with a, a team for seven years. Um, how do you keep it fresh? Uh, you know, and are the boys sick of your voice by now? <laughs> I think it's six years actually. Six. Uh, I, did, I did say seven, it might be six. Um, Even six years is still <laughs> here. They are sick, they are sick of my voice. I can tell you that, John. But, but the thing is, um, you know, every single year we will have about eight new players, right? Come in. You know, we might have a core of about 10, mm-hmm. nine or 10 players, but every year, maybe not this year because of the pandemic, but you would have eight, nine new players that would come in just because of the situation where, where we are, you know? And that's probably why they didn't get, don't get sick of me because they're new players <laughs> every, every year. Um, but, but yeah, I suppose, you know, you, you, try to, uh, you try to improve the sessions, you try to get the players to come to, to training, and that's the biggest... Mm-hmm problem here John in London because when you think about it there are lots of distractions in, in London your brother's over here yeah. to be able to tell you about that as well um, and you know when we started up this season we were thinking about going Tuesday Tuesday night training Thursday night training match of the weekend but we, we looked at it and we, we said and I was speaking to the two coaches we said we're actually probably safer off just going the Wednesday night one night and then game at the weekend. If there's no game at the weekend, then uh, we 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 uh, we train as a team. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're always meeting twice, um, that twice a week. That means that you're going to get high numbers on the Wednesday. And I suppose all you're going to do in that session is, is kind of games, game based mm-hmm. stuff, and preparing for 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 the match at the weekend. Um, so so we've so we've always tried to change things up, John. You know, and bring new coaches in, uh, new people in as well. So. So I think this year might be my last year. <laughs> <laughs> but Joe, like even with um, new players, as you said there, like it's, you know, to say that it's, it's you play for the manager sometimes, you play for the coach, you know, you, you get that, like you get that bond, but like you run through a brick wall, you know, you give that extra percent. How do you get that, that across then to, to the players that are coming in? And is it about building relationships then? How do you do it? I think that one there is key. I think I think the building the relationship with with the with the players, especially new players that come over, John. And you know, it's it's not just about football over here. It's about the the support the players have. You know, London's not it's not Australia. I admit that. You know, it's not Dubai or anything like that. You know, it's not too far away from, from Ireland. But 
players do people new players do come over and you know they might need a job or they, they, they might need support with something maybe they're moving house or they might need to help with rent or something like that mm-hmm. and you know you, you you try to help them help them out so you try to build those relationships mm-hmm. first and you know the, the trust side of things uh, and you know it's 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 it helps it helps uh, the players settle in yeah and also try to make the training sessions enjoyable as well you know yourself you know you, you come home from work you know stressful week especially working in London uh, with some of the jobs some of the lads over here have um, and you know they just want to go out and enjoy their football they don't want to coach shouting at them yapping at them screaming at them that wouldn't be my way at all you know mm-hmm. I, I try to I'd be more you know let the players get on with it you know I'm not they're not here to listen to me shouting at them coach them is that, is that their teaching background do you think as well i think so i think that plays mm-hmm. i think that plays into it uh, as well john you know i think um you know with with teaching uh, over here you can't you can't shout at the kids before start <laughs> or, else you, or else you'll be in trouble with the principal yeah but um but it does um it does help yeah the educational background the teaching background does help when you're coaching or when you're trying to get a point across or you're trying to explain something it 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 helps uh, it helps too and with with the, I suppose the like, you know, whenever you're building relationships, not that with the players and the coaches as well, what things would you say is like the non-negotiables for you that you, whenever you start the start of the year, this is it, or do you have non-negotiables, and is it everything, um, you know, is there is there a, a set culture or set standards? I would say I would say when I was at London. When you when you're that high sort of elite level type of teams, there are mm-hmm. lots of non-negotiables, right. uh, and and one of them that we had uh, then was um, turn up to training on time. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to turn up to train on time, say, send a message to. And there was a designated person that you could send a message to. It wasn't sent to the manager because right. the manager's planning the set. He's planning the session out. Yes, you know he if he's getting disrupted by a text message. The manager's head somewhere else. Yeah. No, he he needs to be focused on the session and the players that are at the session. Um. Uh, so so players turning up on time uh, to the session. Uh, players looking after themselves uh, too. You know when they're when they're not on the pitch. Uh, and you know with, with the London setup, we had about mm, 15, 20 people in the background, in the in the in the backroom uh, team. You know mm-hmm. we had like a couple of psychologists. We had two or three uh, nutritionists, and they'd be giving information to the players. We had uh, three or four strength and conditioning coaches, three or four skills coaches. Uh, we had uh, physios uh, that were kind of um, uh, ex-physios of Wolves and uh, championship teams. Mm-hmm. And we had the, the QPR thing with Kieran and, and Ross Bennett. Um, we also had a goalkeeping coach who was um, the goalkeeping coach for the Guam national team. So, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he, he, um, he said they played against Iran one time and uh, they wouldn't let him into the country for some reason. I think he had, he had an American passport or something or a dual citizenship and he couldn't get into the country to play. So we, we had him as a goalkeeping coach and he was brilliant. You know, he had 50 tennis balls out, he had tennis rackets out and it was really professional type of training that he was doing with mm. the goalkeepers. It wasn't the type of goalkeeping training that you might see 15, 20 years ago. Yes. You know, you know yourself. Yeah. It was top-notch stuff. 
And I suppose also in London, we, we, we try to bring over uh, guests, special guests. Now, we, we call them consultants. <laughs> here, here we call them consultants, you know, for that professional sounding uh, thing. So, so, so we, we brought over Paul Galvin and he, um, he took a few training sessions uh, or parts of training sessions. Mm -hmm. And um, Paul was brilliant with the player, different, unique uh, look at the game he has. You know, he sees the game differently. Um, and he, he, he took a few parts of training sessions and he took a training session one time. He was wearing, he was wearing a pair of skinny jeans and he was getting involved in the training session too. He was like getting involved in the game and he's hand passing the ball about in, in his skinny jeans. So that, that was a good sight. But he gave did, the boy, did, you, did you turn up the next training session in your skinny jeans? Or did I did, you? I, yeah. <laughs> it was the fashion. <laughs> the R boys done it too. Um, but he, he, um, he was, um, he was good for the lads because he got all the lads in a circle and he said to them, and he looked at their football boots and he said, your football boots, a hundred quid, much more than one of the boys said, 90 quid. And he'd say, how much are yours? 80 quid. And then he'd say, does anyone have a Gaelic football an O'Neill's ball? And one or two of the boys put their hands up and he was like, why does everyone not have an O'Neill's football? You know, they're 40 quid, 45 quid, whatever the price is. So, so that kind of struck with, with home with the lads so getting those consultants in, we actually had Harry Redknapp came down to a training session. No way. One time. Yeah, he came down, he came down to Ealing. Uh, it would have been that QPR connection. Yes. And he was uh, he, he was very interested in it. And he spoke to the lads for a good 10, 15 minutes. And he, he was, um, the thing he noticed was the, the intensity of the sessions and the physicality of the sessions. He, he couldn't believe it. Uh, we got Bernard Jackman in too. Yeah, yes, the rugby, very good. Coach, yeah, very, very, very brilliant. Yeah, and he, leadership, he, isn't it? Joe, wasn't sorry? he? Isn't he about leadership? And absolutely. Yeah, and uh, he, I think he was uh, coaching one of the Welsh club teams, Dragons or something, is, was mm -hmm. it? And um, he he brought in a lot of things. Uh, he, I think the thing, the ideas that he brought in were excellent. Uh, the sort of individual plans for players. Uh, so you had your, your four-part approach, you know, the technical, tactical, yeah. uh, physical, uh, and the other one. Psychological. Psychological. And he said, if you want to improve your players, you, you have to individualize it. You have to meet them on a regular basis. You have to give them targets, specific targets. You have to see if the player monitor whether or not they're reaching those targets, get the players to buy in, agree to the targets. So, so we've done that. We've done a lot of one-to-one -one meetings with the players. And, and that was all part of the, the culture too. What what came across whenever? So yeah, like, so there, there was a lot going on. The, what came across with the with the one on ones then, Joe? Um, with, with the with the one on ones, um, you, the physical side of things. So, you what you would have had to do is I done a lot of the one to one meetings, and I would have mm -hmm. had to speak to the strength and conditioning guys and say what should his target give me his targets for the physical side of things so mm -hmm. what should he be running a thousand meters in what should his max speed be uh, then that would be the physical side then the technical side would sort of be us the coaches we would know okay he needs to improve his kick passing mm -hmm. he needs to improve his uh, technique or something like that some kind of and then the tactical side was kind of us as well uh, what you know he needs to know more about the position he's playing in 
Um, he, he needs to know what his role in the team is and, and all that type of stuff. And the psychological stuff too. So that came from the, psych, the psychology department. So, so there were departments and there was an organization structure. Yes. It was like yeah. a, it was like a business. That's the best mm-hmm. way I could describe it. Yeah. And you had an organization structure, and I suppose the manager was at the top, you had the assistant manager. The, then you had the different departments. You had the sports science department, the the uh, psychology department, the S and C department, and they were department based. So so it was it was kind of run like a business. Like did it open your eyes to how accounting came is run? Did you think? Like years ago, that this like Down was run like this, or or um, Dublin was run like this. It did open my eyes big time. It 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 opened my eyes um, because I was thinking, if if this is what we're doing here in in London, mm-hmm. then what on earth are they doing in Dublin? What are they doing <laughs> in the Dublin team? You know what 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 kind of setup do they have there? And I know Jim Javin, he doesn't give too many interviews. I think he ha- he did have an interview recently there with Jim McConnelly. Uh, I didn't get to say it, but it, but you know, you'd like to know what did happen on the inside, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, and what 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 the setup was like, and how professional it was. Um, so yeah, so it it, it did open my eyes, and um, you know, the London team wasn't wasn't overly well funded uh, because of the you know the situation, and it, but we were well organized, John. And yeah. it doesn't take money to organize things. It doesn't take money to to write out a session plan. It doesn't take money to write out a periodization plan. It doesn't take money to do those things. So there are things that you don't need money for, and you know you can do them. You can do them as well as any any other top club or county. No, Joe, you can you can hear your your passion and you know your um, enthusiasm for for like the sport in in London. It's great to great to to, to hear because you know. Um, some brands are, are, in, are in great hands like um, and I was just just with the, the players I'm just fascinated with players as you say a big turnover of players out there how do you get that leadership like the leadership scale or and you know being player led then how does that work well um, would have set up leadership groups uh, John so you would have had maybe there wouldn't be big leadership groups now there right, would have okay. been maybe three or four three or four players in the, in, the, in, the, in the leadership groups, maybe four players, mm-hmm. but there'd be different types of characters, I suppose. You know, um, you might have someone who, who's your sort of more outgoing. You might have your sort of quieter players or younger players that have come through, you know, university and you might want to develop them and their leadership skills. Um, but you, you, you would have that and they'd kind of report back to you, you know, and they, they'd give you information about what can be improved in terms of training and, and, and all those type of things. But it is, it, is, uh, it is difficult. It is difficult to get the buy-in over mm-hmm. here in London. You know, we're, we're an intermediate club. Um, we're, we're not like TCG, which is probably the, the most common, you know, or the, the most well-known, sorry, yes. uh, club in London. Uh, so we wouldn't, have a, we wouldn't have a whole pile of resources. But you, you, you'd keep in contact with the players on a regular basis, you know, and... and it's more about, I suppose, over here, it's more about the social side of things and the life side of things. Because mm-hmm. you, you don't have that sort of um, parish situation over here. You don't have your family over here. You don't have your friend, your old school friends over yeah. here. You know, so so in many ways, your family is your football club or your Gaelic club. 
mm-hmm. over here and the boys that you play with. So you try to get that kind of sense of belonging, you know, that you're away from home, but you're not, you're, you're, you're in good hands when you're over here. No, exactly, John. It's, 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 you know, powerful to hear you speak like about it because, you know, it's, um, you're definitely a manager, a coach that, you know, if, if I was still young enough, I'd get, I'd get a, a flight over to London and, and, and play because, you know, but you can see your passion and, and like, you do care for, for your players. And that. Um, what do you look for in a player and like what qualities, even whenever, you know, you've seen some great players play from Airbridge, what, what was the standout qualities that they had? And, and, you know, was it like natural ability? Yes, but there has to be something more than natural ability. Yeah, it was, a, I think, um, attitude. I think the, your, your attitude is a big thing. Uh, the, the type of player that I like, I suppose you, you would call them a manager's dream, is, is the type of player that comes to all his training sessions, comes early to the training sessions, uh, does his arrival activities or whatever, or works on his areas of, of development or works on his strengths for them to become super strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's at training and when he's doing the, the drills, is clued in and is mentally tuned in. And Mickey Litton used to say this to us all the time before, you know, before games, lads, tune in, you know, tune in, tune into the game, get right, get mentally right. Uh, a player that, you know, give, gives it all during the training session. It doesn't have to be the most skillfulest player, John, you know, mm-hmm. a player with, with a great attitude and a player that gets on with the rest of the players and is a fair, is a fair player and a fair minded player. And doesn't yap at the referee, which is a clear I like. Um, you would have hit me, Joe. <laughs> uh, but and you know that that type of of player, um, I suppose who 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 just gets on with the game. Mm-hmm. You know that doesn't complain. Can that can that be learned, Joe? Or is that from your environment, or is it like you know your coaches coming through, or? Like, you know, whenever I look back now at my own play career, like there's so much I left on the table, I think, and I just, like I cringe sometimes at what I've, what I've done and what I've, like, and, you know, but is it something that, that should have been instilled in me whenever I was younger? Like, this is the right, this is the right thing to do, this is the wrong thing to do? Um, I agree with you. I think it, part of it could come from your environment. You know, I agree. I agree with that. But I also think that it can be learnt as well, you know, um, and just thinking about, you know, just thinking about uh, school or working as a teacher. Mm-hmm. I know that we have a lot of students in the, you know, year in the early years that are uh, troubled students, I suppose you might call them. But over over years, you, you can see them progressing and you can see them becoming better behaved and you can see them becoming better students and better people, uh, better individuals. So, it, so it can be learned. However, I think it's a mix. I think it's a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that we ourselves, John, in positions of uh, coaches, those positions of responsibilities or managers, we have a responsibility to model that good behavior, you know, and to show them, you know, what way to act. And yeah. if you're on the sideline, not to be uh, arguing with the referee or not to be uh, shouting or complaining or that type of stuff, 
So I know it's difficult. It's very, very difficult in the heat of the moment. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with a bit of passion or whatever, but just, just remember, remember, you know, you're, you're the, the boys that you're coaching are looking at you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and if they're yeah, saying, yeah. well, if a manager's effing and blinding and all, why shouldn't we, we should do the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I think modeling the behavior is very important. How proud are you, are you at the minute with, you know, the lads that you coached that are under 16s then being the, being the backbone now of, of Maybridge and, you know, playing division one football and, and, you know, hopefully challenging again for for titles. Well, that those, those groups of those are group of, that group of lads. Uh, you know, Ryan Brady. Uh, I think Shane McNamee was was there. Um, Kevin McClory. Uh, those those lads have done well for the for the Bridge Seniors. I know there was a lot expected of them because right. I think that team. I think at under twenty one level or could have been minor level, they got to the Ulster final. I think they were beaten by Oma. Um, and you know, there was a lot expected. And one of the reasons why probably there was a lot expected, and it's not the fault of those boys, is because the team that came before them in the Norris. So so everyone thought, well, you know, we can get five or six championships out of this out of this team. Yes, yes. Because we got eight, we got eight out of the Norris team. <laughs> but, but that Norris team was excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, excellent team, excellent footballers, and you'd you'd probably four or five groups of players coming through. You had Mickey Litton's age, you had Robbie Coulter, you had Jimmy Coulter. Then you had sort of mid-age lads like Francie Pole and Owen Woods. Then you had a group before that, Daki Rooney, Glenn McMahon, you know, those boys. And then you had sort of Benny and Mickey Watts, Romy Saxon, those lads. So, so you had lots of groups of players at the same time. I think it was unfair on, on the likes of Kevin McClory and those guys uh, to kind of put that pressure on them because, um, because of what, what went before them. And also, John... Kilku started to get their act together. Bourne started to get their act together. And now you, serious competition, which maybe the bridge didn't overly have during the noughties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they had a deal, deal with that kind of, uh, that the great, you know, that Kilku team was excellent, John. Yeah. And, you know, you look at their six forwards and, you know, they can all do different things. And, you know, they're a brilliant team and they play well and they play with heart and they play with passion. Um, and, I, st- I still think that that bridge team, there's a championship or two in that bridge team, right. that corner crop of players. I think they're they're probably in their 30s now, John, th- those those mm-hmm. lads, you know, in around that age, that core group of players. And, you know, you've got Kieran McKeever there, and I usually try to get home uh, around Easter time, I, Christmas, Easter. Unfortunately, he didn't get home this Easter time, but I try to get home and go up and watch a few of the training sessions. And I got up last last year, um, or two years ago, I think. No, last year. Yeah, I got, a, got. A, I actually did get home and watching one of the training sessions with Kieran McKeever and your boy Dennis Hollywood. He brought Dennis yes. Hollywood in, and the training sessions were unbelievable. And they were preparing for that Kilku game, um, and the way Kilku were setting up, Kilku set up defensively, and he was trying to set them up to break Kilku down and to be patient on the ball and. And you could see that in the game when I watched the game. They were being patient. They were trying to punch holes in Kilku. Um, but, you know, it, it, didn't, it didn't, didn't happen. They weren't too far away. Um, and I, I still think there's a championship or two in those lads. With, with Kieran McKeever still there. Yes. You know. Just to tie it all, all together, Joe, then. Down football, as you said, you watch, watch Park TV and that there. And, you know, um, I've seen, seen games and that. 
what what state do you think down football is at the minute? And obviously we got the draw. We, we played Donegal in, in the preliminary round. Um, you know, what's your what's your views on, on club football overall? The the club football is brilliant. It's brilliant football. It's it's mm. very entertaining, very entertaining. And uh, I watched you know yourself commentating, Patsy Russell commentating, and it's brilliant. Patsy's, uh, Patsy's the Patsy's the main man. He's the he's the box <laughs> office. <I'm... laughs> Patsy's been there for a long time. He used to he used to um, commentate in the Bridge Underage Games. That's a long That's time right, ago. Yeah. You know? um, so he's had a bit of experience. He um, but the I think down. Um, Football's in a good position. County football, from, from the games that I've seen, anyway, obviously last year with that performance against Fermanagh, I seen a different type of down player last year, a, a, a hard physical fit player. Um, they're physical specimens, some of those down lads, mm-hmm. and you can see how fit they were last year. You boys that could run with the ball. Um, I suppose like, like Kind of model themselves in those Tyrone players and some Donegal. Is it, is it, is it, is it the modeling that, that even on Dublin, Joe? Yeah. You see the way they've yeah. changed now. Even even yeah. Kieran Kilkenny's like lean right down. Like they're they're not carrying as much muscle mass anymore. I think it is, John. Yeah, mm. I, th- I think they're getting more getting closer to that sort of Premier League soccer type elite soccer type player. Yeah. You know, where where it's speed over a short distance, but there's also good core strength there as well. Yeah. You know. Uh, so and, and the players are bouncing off the ground, you know, when, yeah. when, when they're running. Um, <laughs> and you can see that with some of those down players against Fermanagh last year. Uh, you know, the first half against Cavan, excellent. I I don't know what happened to them in the second half. Um, but with, with that experience of losing against Cavan and then obviously seeing Cavan get on and beating Donegal in the final. Now, to play Donegal now in, in the first round, in the preliminary round, I think mm. it is. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's going to be a big challenge, John. But I think if they get over that... It might be Derry, is it, in the next yeah. next game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a chance there to get to an Ulster final. Just, to, just, to th- just. This is I haven't asked prepared you for this at all, but you know, seeing Donegal, what would you take uh, and try and approach Donegal? Would it be like the Cavan game, or was that a one-off for Cavan to beat Donegal, or, or uh, what? What weakness do you think, or what strength do you think Down can can bring to the table? I think they just have to um they just have to go with Donegal. Because if you look at the first half of that Fermanagh game, the first sorry, the first half of that um Cavan game, mm-hmm. they just went all out at Cavan. You know, I don't know what Paddy Talley said to them at the beginning of the game, but you know, if if they can do that consistently in both both halves of the game, John, and not just play one half, not just play well in one half. How hard is that to do, though, Joe? Physically, can you can a can a team sustain that? It's tough. It's tough, John. And you know, if you're if you're the manager, you you cannot say to the players, lads, listen, we'll take it easy in the first half. <laughs> you know, you can't say you, you can't yeah. say that, or yeah. you you might be able to say it. You might be able to rephrase it in a different way. But I suppose I suppose you just have to get the message across. You you can't win a game of football if you're only performing and. 20 minutes of the first half mm-hmm. you know you have to be consistent throughout the game and um, I suppose a lot of that comes down to the manager and his tactical decisions and you know one decision or one or two decisions that that are made by Paddy Talley I don't know if he's if he's allowed to be there during the game because it's, it's over and all yeah he's, he's, okay so 
He, um, so that, that, some of those come down to the, man, the decisions that are made on the line. And, you know, if he, if he can make the right decisions at the right time and, you know, bring on players at the right time because it'll come down to the last five, five, 10, 15 minutes of the game. If he can make those right decisions, you know, Down could, could win that game. Yeah, no, f- fingers crossed. Fingers crossed because, you know, I, I think it's a special group of players now. I think in the next two or three years, Joe, I think really we can push for, for Ulster Titans. I really do. Well, hopefully, John, because um, I think we've been we've been starved. You know, I think the last time we got to an Ulster final was, what, 2012? Mm-hmm. Was it against Donegal? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Clonus there, I think Donegal beat us by about eight or nine points. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's been, what, eight, nine, nine years and for a county like Down not to be in an Ulster final. And, you know, you, you want to bring back those days of the 90s, of the early 90s, John. Um, and hopefully, you know, around the corner, we, we can see that happening with these, this new crop of players. Yeah, because you can't underestimate, Joe, the, the, the impact that had on our generation. Like, I always keep on saying it, and people are probably sick to death of me of saying it. You know, that actually just breeded a whole range of new footballers like that 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 early 90s team it did john and um i think with with that team you had full out attacking football don't get me wrong you had really good defenders mm-hmm. and i think so, somewhere along the line that might have actually disadvantaged down in the in the kind of noughties because there weren't because other other counties we're thinking about how do we beat these teams? Well, you beat these teams by setting up defensively. And Darren didn't really have that culture coming into the noughties of having a defensive structure or a defensive setup. And the managers, generally the managers of the Down team were ex-Down players. You know, Ross Gore. Yeah. I know obviously, get me wrong, they got to the final in, in 2010. But um, but but, but they, would have, they wouldn't have had the defensive thing on their mind as a priority. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, and when Tyrone won the, you know, won the Earl Ireland's in 2003, five and eight, Donegal, obviously, they all had good, strong defensive setups. And, and I think Down struggled because they didn't want, they weren't interested in, in setting up defensively. And I think with Paddy Tallian now, with his background, he, he is, he, I think he is interested in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be, seems to be that way. And I went to, and I, I like, it's just about getting that rhythm, as you said. Like it's hard to do go, go all out attack, you know, go at teams. It's maybe getting that rhythm where you go and then you sit back, ride the punches a wee bit, take the sting out of their punches, and then go again. You know, where the where Down's fitness, like you know, you see some of the lads now, unbelievable fitness. So like, there's nothing to fear that way. Like, you know, as I said, you can you can only be about five percent maximum less than an absolute top athlete nowadays. Because there is no there is no off season anymore. Exactly, exactly, John. And uh, as you said, you know there there are times in the game where you can go flat out and you can go all attacking, and you might have the team on the ropes, and that's when to kind of nail them. But mm-hmm. there are times in the game when you have to sit back, let let the opposition have the ball, um, you know, take take the sting out of the game, and then you know an opportunity will come after a while. Be patient, and then we'll get back in the game. That's a hard one as a coach, though, Joe, isn't it? Whenever that that, that swing and that pendulum swings, you know. The... <laughs> some try, sometimes you try to be proactive and think, well, in five minutes' time, they might start dominating the game. So we have to think about 
what we're going to, should we set up defensively now before they start to take a, 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 a you know, foothold in the game? So, you know, and over, over a period of time when you're coaching and managing, sometimes you get a bit bad. I, I don't know if you do get better at it. You know? Is it experience or do you just sense, is it something that you sense maybe like a certain player goes, geez, he's not running as fast as he was five minutes ago where, you know, that man's getting more of the ball or something like that, you know, opposition player. I think it is, John. I think it's sort of uh, all the kind of knowledge you've built up over the years and you say to yourself, sort of subconsciously, you're saying, well, I've seen this happening before. This is a sign. That he, he's, he's struggling, you know, or half forward struggling or half back struggling. This is a sign that now we need to get back here mm-hmm. and just relax and settle down. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that sort of comes subconsciously. Um, and then all of a sudden you get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> just talk it down to experience. But Joe, are you coming home anytime soon? Um, are you are you up in sticks? And what's the future for for Joe Cote then? Um, no, I'm here. I'm here for uh, I'm here for the duration. Um, I've got the girlfriend over here, so I'm I'm here for the duration. And uh, you know, I do try to get home three or four times a year, and and watch the bridge playing. Um, and you know, I, I think I'll be in in London for a while. You know, um. Not unless, not unless Benny gives me a call and wants me to, to help out with with the stone or something. But I think he's got Francie. I think he's got Francie. <laughs> he does. He does. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I won't be getting the call. Uh, so, um, Operations management down the stone, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> Some crack down there. Honor Dorn and them boys. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd say I'll be here for a while. Anyway, Josh, it's a great, it's a great city, John. You know, there's lots uh-huh. to do, you know, and we're coming out of the pandemic, obviously, here, you know. So, you know, I suppose you can go start back looking at going to Premier League games and, and going to, you know, concerts and all. And you know, there's, a lot, yeah. there's a lot going on here. Yeah. No, Joe, like, as I say, it's an absolute pleasure talking to you. You know, thanks so much for, for your time. Um, you know, you can, you can see by talking to you how much passion you have for coaching and, and you know, trying to do things the proper way. And I suppose that's that's all you can ask about, you know, player welfare and just like I like what you're saying about the culture and all that there as well. It's it's it just buys into everything. Like it's just more than, than turn up and, and taking a training session these days, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh it's not it's not just and especially in these times, John, where where people have had it tough over the lockdown. It's not just about the football, it's mm-hmm. about other things, you know. Yeah, no. Joe, thank you so much. As I say, look after yourself. Um, I'll keep you keep you informed of any crack over and down here anyway. And uh, um, hopefully, you know, um, with with coaches getting involved with with yourselves and Kieran there with 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 the uh, with the coaches. What is it? It's, it's DSS. 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 So daily sports science. So um, just to plug my uh, tactical, I've got an e-booklet. And it's got it's got drills and practices on it so you know you can head over and log on to daily sports science there's loads of there's loads of uh, practices there and and games and you know uh, you can become a member we've got 600 people we've got three whatsapp groups uh, they're, they're full the whatsapp groups are full and you know there's a lot of information sharing and you know pe- people people love it that's what it's all about that's all yeah. about sharing and and um, getting the message out there and hopefully you know better coaches makes better players makes better games so exactly. that's what it's all about Joe thank you so much no problem Thanks look after yourself talk to you soon thanks thank you